Brother Thomas was in the prayer room with me, and he was praying for me. And uh, and he, he's ready for something to happen this morning. I don't know about you. I'm ready for something to take place this morning. Yes. Amen. Why, why don't we just for a moment usher the presence of God into this building? Just talk to him for a minute. Don't worry about anything else. Just talk to God. Lord. We want you to move in this house, God. We want to have a divine encounter with you before this service is over, God. Lord, I ask that you would touch down in this place. At some point, God, move in our life, Jesus. Change us, transform us to be more like you, God. Minister to needs that are in this house, oh Lord. Amen. We're just people, God. We're just people that are affected by this world, Lord. And we want more of you today. Do what you want to do in our lives, God. I pray you'd encourage somebody, lift somebody up. Amen. Empower somebody. Use them for ministry, Lord. And we'll give you all the praise. Somebody said amen. 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 Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. And you can be seated. We start today on the new quarter of teaching. And if you would, uh, we do not have bulletins this morning. Of course, uh, Pastor is gone. He does all the printing for all that. And so there's not a bulletin. You'll have to, I know it's tough, but you have to follow along in the Bible. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6 is where we're going to be looking this morning. Uh, starting with the very first verse. We're going to read one of the most powerful sets of scripture in the entire Bible this morning. And kind of pick it apart and see what God is telling us. But just as a show of hands this morning, I wonder how many, now don't just raise your hands and yeah, sure. But really, honestly, you want to be used by God. Yes. Amen. Amen. You really want to be used by God. And, and what I mean by that is you don't care how it's done. Some people think that the only way they can be used by God is to preach or to sing. Let me tell you, there's tons of ways that God can use somebody. Amen. But if we're going to be used by Him, we've got to be open to whatever that is. And a lot of times I'll ask young ministers that are around my age because, I don't know if it's because I'm ornery or if it's because I've got uh, a righteous indignation in me or something like that, but I'll specifically ask them, if God, right now, asked you to go to Africa, and you didn't, there was no doubt about it, he did, would you be okay with that? We better be. And that's tough. That's yeah. tough. Um, Brother Harris that stood up here and preached, sold everything that they had and went when God called them. That's tough. But if you're going to be used by God, you've got to be willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And you'll make a way. I know you will. And so our subject this morning... The title is simply, Send Me, Lord. Send Me, Lord. And so let's read, let's read this uh, powerful set of scriptures. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I also saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain, with twain is two. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. 
And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. Now I want you to picture this in your mind. He's, he's here and all of a sudden the presence of God fills the entire place and these angels are here and they begin, they've got six wings and at their voice crying, holy, holy, the whole earth is full of his glory and the posts of the doors are shaking at the voice and the house was filled with smoke. Verse 5, then said I, woe is me for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips. This is Isaiah speaking. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And in response to this, then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth. And said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. And this is key this morning. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, crying out, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I. Send me. Send me. It's often in Scripture that God will call for somebody and He's standing right in front of them and He'll ask a rhetorical question. He'll say, Who's going to go and speak for me? Now, we know who He wants to do this. He's standing right in front of Isaiah. He stood before Adam and Eve and called out for them and said, Adam, Eve, where art thou? He knew where they were. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He, knows exact, he knew exactly where they were at. But he asked the question anyway, and it's rhetorical. He wants you to answer that today. That's right. Who am I going to send? Now, in the 70s, there was a tiny island in the midst of the Indian Ocean. It was around Christmas, and there were men that were hanging from cranes and other heavy equipment just to get a view of a visitor who was coming to this island that was going to bolster their morale and give them a few hours of humor and some comedy. And they wanted to get a good view of this visitor for a few hours, a few hours that they had with him. His name was Bob Hope. Anybody remember Bob Hope? He was an icon at the time. And he served some time with the USO, the United Service Organization Tours at that time. And what he would do, he would go and uh, he would offer a little bit of humor for soldiers that were fighting the battle. And he would give them just a few hours where they could forget all of the carnage and all of the fighting and the gunfire and all these things 
because he cared about soldiers. He cared about our military. And he did it many years in his life. And he would do comedy. He might sing a little bit, you know, and, and they just ate it up because there's nothing like this that they could be in touch with at that time. There's no connection they had back to home or anything like that. And, and, and he was well respected for it. But although Bob Hope was able to give these soldiers a few hours of reprieve from all the horrors that were around them, the reality of it all was the fact that they were still in enemy territory. They could be fired upon. They could be bombed at any second. And the enemy would still be there for them. And sadly, true hope was not on the program. Come on. And Bob Hope died in 2003. So whatever hope that they thought that they had is long gone. But today, we carry hope. Yes, amen. We have actual hope that don't die out, that we can carry to people. And it's not a facade. It's really here for access to everybody in the middle of everything that's going on in this world around us. It's not a joke. It's not just a few hours of relief from all that. I'm talking about real hope in Jesus, in the Holy Ghost. Anybody who received that hope? You know what I'm talking about? You you lived a life before all this and you didn't have hope. But you came to a place and you met real hope, not Bob Hope. You met the hope. That's right. And it don't die out. Amen. And we've got the opportunity to carry that hope to people. And that's that's such a powerful thing. What a responsibility that God has entrusted in us to carry hope to people without reservation today we can say that hope is alive and um, God's appointed us to this now kings would often appoint what was called emissaries you may have heard that word before and what they would do they would go to foreign lands and represent the interests of the king and the kingdom and the king couldn't always go so he would send an emissary and so often uh, many would just volunteer the moment it was asked for not because they were getting paid well not because um, they would just be looked upon as such you know an amazing person for doing this but because they honestly cared about the interests of the king are you with me this morning Amen. and so God looks out today and he's calling for emissaries. Not to do it for the glory that they'll get from it. But to do it because they're acting in the interest of the king. Amen. That's good. I'm talking about being kingdom minded. Yes. The reason we do this, the reason we've got a church here today is not so people will look on us, well, they've got some good music, you know, and some upstanding, some fine people over there, you know. We're not really concerned with that today as much as we are the interests of the king. That's right. And God wants to do something right here. Yes. And that's why we have church this morning. That's why we reach out to people. It's because we're emissaries of the king. These people would possess a seal of the king. Everywhere they went, it represented his confidence in, in them. And today, even us, we carry the seal of the Holy Ghost. He's placed that inside of us and it represents His confidence in us to do His work. Now, in today's world, God is not asking most of us to embark on a journey that's fraught with perils like, like some do. 
Really, honestly, what God is calling most of us to might not actually be that dangerous for most of us. And there's certainly people that go overseas and, and are missionaries that suffer things that are way, way more dangerous than what any of us face. The majority of us, though, all we're going to have to wrestle with is our own inadequacies. Amen. That's really going to be the biggest challenge for most of us. Looking at ourselves and thinking that we won't be able to do it. And like some of the prophets of old, some people that are called of God. Let me make this clear this morning. Everybody's called of God. I've said this countless times from up here that ministry is not exclusive to a preacher. That's right. Ministry is not exclusive to a pastor or a Sunday school teacher. Ministry is for every child of God, every disciple. Ministry is what everybody's called to, and we're all called to something. And there's going to be some that are going to make excuses why they won't do it or why they can't do it. There's going to be some that are going to run for their calling. They're going to run from it far away as they can from it. Others will take the time to fully embrace it. And they'll say, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. I may feel inadequate, but he's going to help me do it. And fear of failure is going to push somebody away from not ever accepting the calling of God. And, and some are just going to stop dead in their tracks and say, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And they don't want to fully commit to be an emissary that represents the interests of the king. But I will tell you this today. The bold people, the people who understand the power of this Holy Ghost that's been placed in me, you got a real understanding of that, are going to say, I'll step up to the challenge. Not because of the fact that I think that I'm good enough to do it, but because the Holy Ghost is inside of me. Amen. You understand Amen. what I'm saying this morning? It is so easy sometimes to look at the calling of God or maybe the, the nudge that you feel to do something, to look at that and say, I am so inadequate. But the person who understands how God operates will say, yes, I'm inadequate, but I've got the Holy Ghost. Amen. And when I've got that and I've emptied myself out to be full of the Holy Ghost, Inadequacies do not matter. Amen. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. God has empowered me to do whatever it is that He wants me to do. So we have to take the eyes off of us. We've got to do that. We've got to quit looking at, well, you know, I just I can't really speak well. I'm, I'm going to get to a story. You probably already know where it is. Where somebody told God, I can't speak well. So let's just cast that out of the discussion this morning, okay? I can't sing well. You know, I, all these things. You really think that if God asked you to do something, that He was concerned with your ability that much? If He's all-knowing, He's all-powerful, and He asks us to do it, it's like, Brother Marcus, it's just like, just do it. Amen. You know, just step into the will of God and see what happens. And those who understand the power of the Holy Ghost, they'll say, send me, send me. I'll do whatever it is. And the Lord will reach down and he'll meet their needs to do what it is he's asking them to do. And so we've got to make a decision today. Every one of us in this room got to make a decision. Are we going to be a lame sideliner or are we going to be a bold servant? Yes. Amen. Amen.
Are we going to look God in the face and say, you made me this way so I can't do what you want me to do? That's arrogant. That don't make any sense. That's right. God formed you. Then He puts the Holy Ghost in you and empowers you. And we turn to Him and say, I don't think I'll be able to do that today, sir. Oh, my God. He's saying, I have placed everything in your hands. And really, I'm the one that's going to help you do it. Right. We don't got much to do with you in the first place. There, there's several passages in the Bible that fit the bill of what's called a call narrative. And these narratives will feature uh, somebody that the Lord is speaking to in a miraculous way. And uh, the example is the burning bush. And the potential prophet or speaker of God, whoever they are, will refuse to accept the call. They say, I just can't do it. And they'll cite reasons for it. Some personal problem or other issue. And, and then God, every time, will take away every fear they've got. And he'll address every issue that they bring to him. And then he'll say, now are you going to do what I've asked you to do? And so maybe you've got a list of reasons that you can't do what God is asking you to do today. I'll tell you this. If you'll bring them to him, he'll address them. That's right. He'll address them and he'll use you for what he's wanting to do. We see this pattern in the call of Moses. He saw the burning bush and there's this miraculous moment where God begins to call on him to do this thing, you know. And, and we're wondering, you know, why the bush is not consumed. And the Lord speaks to Moses and told him that he's going to deliver the Israelites out of the Egyptian bondage for him because the people are crying out. You notice that Moses is being a servant. He's doing the work of a shepherd in the midst of all this. God calls people that are being a servant. God calls people that are already doing the work for him. He calls them a power to other things. And when Moses stated that he couldn't accept the call because of his poor speech, God solved his problem and addressed every issue that Moses had. You got a problem speaking? Okay, I'm going to show you something that's going to speak volumes. Put your hand in your coat. Take it out. I'll speak for you. Let me see that rod you got. Set it out before you. That'll speak volumes. Yes. You know what? You can't talk well. I'll put you before Egypt and I'll tear down every God that they have. That's right. And then we'll see if that doesn't speak to Pharaoh. You don't have to speak. God will speak through you. Yes, amen. What really what we have to say a lot of times is not going to be enough. But if we allow God to speak through us, it'll bring down, it'll, it'll bring down the challenges of dignitaries that come before us. People, people who try to challenge us, people who try to come against our ministry. And so Moses faced this. Isaiah had the vision of the Lord in his call narrative, and he he had this great sight before him. You remember that verse of scripture we read? This, the angels come in, you know? And and the, the walls are shaking at the voice of them crying, holy, holy, holy. And 
He told God of his human weakness that he had. I'm a man of unclean lips. And the frailties of the people that he was living around. And God touched him in a special way. And the reluctancy that he had before was gone. Now, there's no debating today that God wants to use everybody. Anybody who would come to him and allow themselves to use, God wants to use them. But if you feel reluctant this morning, if you feel, if you've got reasons, maybe you've already been thinking of them since I've been talking, that you're stepping to the sidelines or letting others operate in the Holy Ghost, I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. You just need to let God touch you. Like he did with Isaiah. You need a specific and divine touch. Because, let me ask you this, how many times have you been in the Holy Ghost that when you left, you were more bold before? Or you were more bold after than you were before to speak to somebody about God? That's because the touch of God does something to you in ministry. When God touches you with that coal from the altar, you know, we're all timid and, you know, my inadequacies, my inability. Maybe you just need a touch from God this morning. Amen. And he'll do it. He will do it. God sets Isaiah on the road to answering the calling by giving him a heavenly vision. And it starts out, and I'm going to pick this apart real quick. He says, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. It was a vision of God. It was a vision of the Almighty. And, and, and sometimes we just need to get a better vision of God in order for us to fulfill His calling. Maybe we've not seen enough of the glory of God to understand that He'll empower us to do what He wants us to do. And if we can just get a better vision of God, He'll use us and then step out in confidence of His touch on our life and we'll be used of God. The Bible um, speaks here of this is the time when King Uzziah died. Said in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. The Bible only lists a few good kings. There's only a few of them that it calls good kings. And uh, all the rulers of the northern kingdom of Israel were deemed wicked. It, it just calls them out in the Bible that they're wicked. And very few leaders in this time were proclaimed to be good. Even the most promising could find themselves falling prey to pride and sin. And Uzziah was a goodly king. He was a good king, and now he's passed away, and there's this uncertainty that's in the time. And there's a perception of chaos in the world. And Isaiah is here in the middle of all this, and some could say that uncertainty reigned in the day. And his vision that God gave him showed him something very different. In a world of uncertainty, I'm God and I'm calling on you to speak a certain word. These people, they don't have a goodly king anymore, but I'm calling on an Isaiah to give them some certainty and he'll speak a word and it'll be very certain then that God is talking. Amen. That there is a good king. You know what God does today? In a world of uncertainty, God's calling for some people to be apostolic. Amen. He's calling for some people who will speak of his word and people will know for certain that that's not just that brother or sister talking. That's the king talking, the good yeah. king that's speaking to him. And in order to do that, 
He calls on people who are one God, folks. People who speak in tongues. People who believe in baptism in Jesus' name that will step out and claim the absolute truth that Jesus is still on the throne. Amen. This, this is a world of uncertainty we're living in. Come on. We can talk, I'm not going to get all into it, but we can talk politically how uncertain things are. Uh, economically, how uncertain things are. And people wonder what they're going to do in the world that they're living in. It's chaos. Uncertainty. But God, He calls on somebody. He calls on somebody who, who their life can be observed as they're living like it's certain that they're going to go to heaven. Like it's certain that God speaks to them. Like it's certain that they know that they're saved. A lot of people can't say that. I can say that. I've got certainty in my life because it's not that I just called off a prayer that you know tons of people called out. I can show you in the Word the certainty of repentance and baptism and Holy Ghost. It's not a question. It's certain. That's what people are looking for today is certainty. And that's what Isaiah was searching for. God gave it to him. Then he says, His train filled the temple. You've heard this preached on before. If there's a king that's got a long train of his robe, it's because those were all won in battle. Victories that the king has won. You understand today that the king that fights for us has victories aplenty that fill the entire room. There's nothing that he can't do. There's no victory that he can't win for you. Amen. His train fills the temple. And this is what Isaiah observes. And then there's this powerful moment where the scripture says the angels cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. His train fills the temple. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the description of the Lord of hosts, this this is more reminiscent of somebody who is a master of battle, somebody who commands an army. And Isaiah viewed the angels not only as worshipers of the Lord, but also divine soldiers now that were under this Lord of hosts, the Almighty God. And today, God calls on people to see His glory and to accept His plan for them. If you have any interest at all this morning in being used of God and you got no idea where to start, or you have many reasons why you're just going to stay comfortable where you're at, then my suggestion to you today is that you get a brand new, fresh glimpse of the glory of God. You need to get a renewed vision of God. Because once you see the glory of God, sometimes you need to be refreshed on it. All you should want to do is serve Him. Amen. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. And when we pray through the tabernacle plan and we get to that end where we step into the Holy of Holies and the glory of God is there and everybody in the room is experiencing this moment of the glory of God. You can't tell me you're not motivated to do something for Him. When you see the glory of God, it does something to you. We may not receive a vision exactly like Isaiah, you may not have the doorposts of the front door of your house shake necessarily. 
But everybody at some point has an experience, a burning bush experience, if you will, where God begins to call them up to something more and they feel the anointed touch of Elijah's mantle come across them and they get called up to something more. And even though sometimes you're not going to see, you know, the actual manifestation of a burning bush or the shaking of a doorpost, you can look to the Word of God and He'll open your understanding. He'll give you divine revelation. And you can be in the presence of God, even in a church service like you're sitting in right now, and He will, he will light a bush before you. And He'll shake you to the point where you're answering his call. Isaiah probably could have felt very privileged and, and honored to receive this incredible vision of the Lord and pride could have overwhelmed him. I'm the one. I'm the one who's the prophet. You know, I'm the one out of all this world of uncertainty that God speaks to and I get to speak to them. He could have had that attitude about him, but that's not what happened because God uses the humble and he uses the repentant people. That's who God uses. And his reaction was very different. Instead of feeling haughty, he felt humbled. Instead of superior, he called out to God and said, I'm subpar. Instead of feeling righteous, he felt repentant before God. And he says his first words, Woe is me, for I am undone. It's the very first words. Out of his mouth. Perhaps he was surprised he could even speak at all. Perhaps he was surprised that he was not dead. Because even for the presence of God to pass before Moses, just to see it from the back, you know, to see it from the very front and see the entire manifestation of God, he thought maybe that would surely kill me and I wouldn't be able to stand. But he was, and he could speak. And he would later accept this great call of God. He would accept it. He may have felt that he couldn't survive the experience whatsoever, so he calls out, woe is me for I'm undone. I'm surely going to die. And then he calls out and he says, I dwell among people with unclean lips. And he began confessing his inadequacies, the deficiencies of the people. And he proclaimed, I'm a man of unclean lips as I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. And he calls out the flaws. This is why I can't do it. This is why uh, this is not the time for me. Uh, everything's not set up in my life to do what you want me to do. I don't, I'm not where I want to be just yet. Well, if you think you're not, why is God calling on you? He could have had you dead in His presence and you're saying, woe is me, but you're still standing here. And so God responds to that. Whatever you have today that causes you to step back to the sidelines, God will respond to it. And He takes up, instead of rebuking Isaiah for his human flaws, the Lord met his need. In verse 6 and 7, the prophet offered a first-hand account of this miraculous cleansing. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from the tongs of the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched 
thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away and thy sin purged. Do you know that the seraphims, the literal trans translation of the seraphim is the burning ones. And these beings were literally on fire for God. They were on fire for God, worshiping Him, worshiping Him in that moment and proclaiming His holiness and His glory. Holy, holy, holy. And they did His bidding without question and they reach out with those tongs and grab that coal from the altar and in their hand, they cleanse Him with that coal. And like the prophet today, we can go from being undone and unclean to being purified and holy from the touch of God to do His work. Amen. Just from the touch of a coal from the altar, we can be cleansed. We can be on fire for God. And He can move on us. And we can worship the beauty of His holiness like the seraphims. Can I tell you something today? God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Amen. He doesn't look for people who are qualified to serve. He looks for people who's going to serve and He qualifies them. You can't speak. You're of unclean lips. That's okay. I've got a cold from the altar for that. You don't think you got the talent or ability? That's okay. I've got a cold from the altar for that. You don't think you come from the right family. That's okay. I've got a coal from the altar for that. You don't hold the titles or the degrees or the education. I've got a coal from the altar for that. And I'll purge you of every problem you think you've got. Because it's not good in the first place. It all comes from my altar. It all comes from my altar. I empower my people for my service. And so, so many times throughout this word, you see somebody who shouldn't be serving God and doing his work. I'm reading all through David right now. For some reason, I'm on a stem winder about David. I don't understand this. So I'm reading David, David, David. That's a person right there who God could have cast to the side many times and said, I'm done with you. I'm sick and tired of dealing with you. But he looks for people who are unqualified. And he calls on them and he qualifies them. You know what it all started out with? He anointed David as king because he's a man after God's own heart. Not because he's a man of talents, because of abilities or all these things. Because he's a man after my own heart. Saul is not that and I'm going to do away with that. He's qualified. Oh, he's qualified. He stood taller than all the other people. That's why they wanted him as king. But God doesn't call a qualified. He qualifies the called. He looks out among us today and you feel that sense of I'm not enough to do what God is calling me to do. God says, I'll make you enough with a coal from my altar. And so he calls out and says, whom shall I send? He calls out. Many today claim they're ready to answer the call, but they've not humbled themselves or made themselves ready at all. Others are going to state that they've received a word from God when they never have. There's people today proclaiming a word from God that never come out of His mouth. That's right. That's right. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. But yeah, when God yeah. does give you the word, He'll speak through you. Isaiah prophesied about speaking in tongues. He proclaimed this. 
this thing, prophecy and interpretation of tongues is a real thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's not a joke. It's not something that we just do to impress people or something like that. I'm going to read you from the Word. It says, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. Amen. This is ordained of God that there would be prophecy yes. and people would speak in tongues. Somebody would interpret and receive a word from God. This is Bible. It's, yes. You know, people try to cast those things down. This is in the word of God. And this is how we know that it's real. It's a very real thing. And the call requires us to repent of our sins like Isaiah did so we can speak the word of God. And then, you know what Isaiah ended all this with? He capped it all when God responded with a coal from the altar. He said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. When you have a moment, hear me today, when you have a moment in the presence of God where he takes away and tears down everything that you throw at him that I can't be used by this or that, and he takes down all those things, and there's this divine moment where he touches you with his presence. And your purrs have gone. All of a sudden, you're empowered of the Holy Ghost. What we better do is say, here am I. Amen. Send me. Amen. Because let me tell you this. There's tons of people out there that are never going to respond to it. But we are the Jesus name people. Yes, we are. We are the Holy Ghost people. We, yes. we, better, we had better say, here am I send me because nobody else is going to do it and nobody else has the message. That's right. I've got to respond to him and say, send me. There will be a moment. There will be a moment. There will be a moment for you because God's calling everybody up to something greater. Amen. There's always another level. There's always another point. God's calling me up higher. God calls pastor up higher. God calls every saint up higher to something more. It doesn't matter what age you are, how many years you've served God. There's another level He's trying to move yes, us up Lord. to because we're not like Him yet. That's right. We're not like Him yet. There will be a day. But until then, you come to the altar and let Him touch your lips with that coal of the Holy Ghost and change you into something even better. Would you stand with me this morning? I've already mentioned recently there was a time when I stood as just a very young man on the Arkansas District Campgrounds and God called me into the ministry. I can take you to the place. But it was a service that would Go down in history, the sermon that was preached, Brother Rick Lovell preached it. And he preached on mantles, the mantle of Elijah, coming on Elisha. And what he did, he come on the platform and he had these trash bags that were just massive. And every, you know, every young person at the youth camp is thinking, what's he got? You know, what's he coming at us with? And he's preaching on mantles and how the mantle of a ministry could come on you and God will call you to that. And you better not refuse. It doesn't matter how mighty that mantle was, how mighty that man of God is. God has chosen you. 
and he'd reach down from the platform into those trash bags and he'd pull out a, a jacket, a coat jacket. And he'd start naming off the name of the person who wore that coat. I can't remember the order of them, but just some of them would be Chuck Gray. And he'd throw that coat out in the altar. He'd reach down and he'd grab another one. Andrew Urshan. He'd call out the name of a powerful woman of God. And there'd be a rat or something, a scarf or something she had. He'd throw it out to the altar. And the thing, the altar was just covered. And all these mighty men and women of God were represented in that altar. And he said, God is calling young people in this room to reach out and grab a mantle that he's placed on your life and it's sitting up here. And you can either make the decision to turn and walk out that door and not grab the mantle or you can run down to this altar and grab a hold of that mantle and receive it. And I was one of the young people that ran down there and grabbed onto one and poured out my heart before God. I can point to six other young men that I know of personally that received their call to ministry in that service. One of them preached up here not more than a month ago with Austin Jackson. Only one service. God reached out with a coal from the altar to probably tens of young people and said, you don't think you can do it? That's okay. I'm going to empower you to do it. And today, this morning, God calls us up higher. Do you feel, do you feel God calling you to something greater? Something better? I know you got the Holy Ghost. I hope you got the Holy Ghost. That's just a start. God calls us up higher. Yes. Isaiah was a servant of God, but now you're going to be an oracle of God. It just says in the scripture that his response was, send me. <coughs> 